0: Like, you got to choose the business model that's right for you. But answer the question of like, okay, can this audience that I have make me a billionaire? I have one house that's going to pull off like 15,000 a month and it's just a single house. So you'll beat it by quite a bit.
1: No way. Really? What's what's Mm -hmm. the house worth?
0: uh i bought it for 900k that's ridiculous. damn dude that's crazy 700 a night
2: uh, where where's it so, located
0: yeah uh it's in in boise uh like right next to the boise state university stadium
2: oh so. Uh, so do you get like basically like football tourists or what do you Who who's renting this thing for 700 dollars a night in boise
1: we're live by the way nathan
0: <laughs> we're live <laughs> great no for real uh, um who's renting it so you get like all graduation everyone coming into you know tour the university or whatever else and then um uh just anyone coming into downtown it's like a five bedroom brand new construction sam it actually looks like the kitchen looks somewhat similar to uh the place you just linked me to so so why um, haven't you bought similar, like floating five shelves and the tile backsplash and all that why so. haven't
2: you bought like five yeah, that's more my, in the same that's, area that's my
1: question Yeah, it's a million dollars. It's a million dollar or 900,000 or whatever you said. Under a million dollar house that's making 15 grand a month. Why don't you buy 50 of them?
0: Oh, I I just bought this one. And so it's not making that yet. But that's what we're like, the bookings for the summer. So it's at, uh, it just did 8,000 for January locked in. Um, And then the summer bookings are coming in at like quite a bit higher um like so the january ones you know are last minute and, and Boise's voices slow it, it there but uh yeah the summer ones are coming in at eight nine a thousand dollars a night eight hundred nine hundred or a thousand a night um which is wild and we haven't even put a hot tub on it yet so i just bought a hot tub today and uh so we'll get that in there i should be able to charge a little bit more and it's gonna be good
2: wow so okay, we should start I'll, uh we should intro intro you <laughs>
1: Well, yeah. So you're, we're on, we're live. That might go live. <laughs> this is Nathan Barry. Nathan Barry. Um, I've known Nathan since a Gumroad meetup, Sean. I went to a Gumroad <laughs> meetup in like for real. A, I'm not joking. 2012. That sounds maybe 2013. 2012, 2013. <laughs> yeah, cool. Nathan was doing Gumroad. He had this book called Authority, right? Authority.
0: Yep.
1: And I don't even remember what the book was about. Just making a living online. But then you also had graphic design stuff, and you had a really cool blog, and you uh, you sold all types of stuff. But I've been homies with you for a while, and then you launched this thing called convert kit and I was like, Nathan, like, the other things work, and just do that. <laughs> and anyway, now it's a business that both Sean and I, I think, are. I right, didn't end up.
2: Invent- I didn't end up doing it. I th- there's some mecha- uh, mechanics problem with the way we can,
0: that we can get into it. We're an LLC, and it yeah. it gets complicated uh, as like pass through funds and stuff like that. But yeah, but Sam, you're so in the cool I'm club. In,
1: <laughs> I'm in the cool club, and basically, his business convert kit does like. Twenty six, I think, million dollars in recurring revenue. It's like a Mailchimp competitor that's better and different. Their their revenue is all completely live. So if you Google ConvertKit revenue, you can like see the revenue. Twenty nine. Do you regret now that
2: your business is actually kicking ass? Do you feel like "Ah, I kind of wish this wasn't all super transparent? Or you know, because it's good early on. Transparency is great early on. It gets you a bunch of people interested. Then when you start winning, you know, you're giving more value than you're getting back. Usually by by doing that.
0: Yeah, so I think it's uh, a great idea if it's for a mission reason and a terrible idea if it's for like a marketing reason. And I actually had two friends who sat me down at one point and they're like, Nathan, this is an intervention. Take down your like public uh, (laughs) metrics page. And which they were right. Like they had talked to competitors who were like, wow, this is so helpful, like scrolling through it. And they're like, (laughs) you know your competitors are doing this, right? I'm like, I I know. But really it's like, uh, it's a mission thing of the whole mission for the company is to help creators earn a living. And so if we can put this public blueprint out there, that's not just like the snapshot of time where, you know, you've done it with companies where you're going through and you're like, oh, they said here they're at 10 million. You know, you're like trying to piece together the trajectory. We, we all have the same spreadsheets. Um, and so like actually doing it in real time means that someone can be like, okay, I'm at 50K MRR. Churn is absolutely brutal right now oh, I wonder what ConvertKit's churn was when they were at 50K, right? And you can go back and you can find the date range and be like, oh, in this time, here's all of their metrics, here's how fast they're growing and everything. And so it's like this, for anyone who wants it, it's this masterclass where you have to dig in and, and find the data, but you can find everything about our business. And my hope is that it's like breadcrumbs that every future entrepreneur who wants to how much, recreate how what we that get hopefully in another industry. Get... Do you know? What's that? How much traffic does that page get?
2: personalized chat and service. So check out HubSpot's new service hub to use their AI tools to give better support to your customers. That's what they want and that's what they deserve. So visit hubspot.com slash service to learn how this all new solution can help you deliver customer service with AI to your customers.
0: I don't know, it's not actually even our page. It's convertkit.barometrics.com. Right. And uh, it's not even ours, so. Wow. Presumably know. not that much traffic. Okay, so so you're no for idea. real
2: not using it for marketing if you don't even know how much traffic it gets. Okay, now I believe you. <laughs> but when you said the mission thing, I have a I have a system of uh, tuning out whenever anybody says values, mission, vision, things like that. I'm just like, ah, by default, I do not believe anything you're about to say for the next thirty seconds.
1: <laughs> <laughs> how many um? How many people work there now?
0: Sixty
1: nine. Because when you. You wrote this blog post two years, I forget, I've been reading your blog for so long, I don't remember the years, but you wrote a blog post and you're like, oh, we we're making, let's say, $8 million a year, but we basically had $20,000 in the bank. or that's I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was yeah. almost as extreme as that,
0: right? Yeah, so uh, the company's totally self-funded, there's no outside capital. And so when we hit like this period of rapid growth, we grew from 2000 a month to 100000 a month in 12 months. And, uh, you know, and that was just on 50 grand that I'd put in, we spent all of that money. And so what happened is the company was growing and profitable, but we were doing like 3% profit margins. And so we'd gotten down to the point where we had, I think like 10 to $12,000 in the bank. And like that was growing, but we were like, expenses were increasing by so much more that, uh, like our day's worth of expenses was getting shorter and shorter. And so that got, uh, Super scary. You guys want to know? Okay, random story. So uh, I, I think you all know Andrew Warner,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, Mixer G. I was at a Mixer G meetup in San Francisco. Like he would do these Scotch nights, and uh, uh, after one of those, like we, I think we were walking out of the building, and he's like, "Dude, you know," that kind of pulls me aside. He's like, "Dude, you seem super stressed," and and I was like, "Yeah," like and I kind of told him the financial situation, and we were like. Our bank balance was growing, but you know, you're like now paying all these people and you have no money, and uh, um, so I told him about that, and and he said, okay, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna wire you twenty five thousand dollars tomorrow. You're going if you need the money, spend it. Do whatever you whatever you want with it. Whenever you feel right, like pay me back. Um, or if you don't need it, like just put it in a savings account. Like just let it be in an, you know like an insurance blanket for you, and then uh, wow, you know wire what? it back at some did point. Did you know him the well? The only thing, if he, uh, we'd hung out in person, I think twice before. So I knew him a little bit well, and I'd you, been well, on the podcast. What were,
1: and what were we going to
0: say? The only thing, what? Oh, the, the, the thing he said is like, if you do decide to raise funding, like convert that into, you know, like I'll be the first person in for that. Um, if not, wire money back. What a
2: smart <laughs> move.
0: <laughs> okay, but That's the thing that he said. such a good move. <laughs> the thing that he said is the only thing that will piss me off on this is if you ever try to pay me interest on it. Like don't, <laughs> try to make this a loan in any way. And so I held Such onto the problem. money. It sat in the bank account for like eight or nine months. Uh, we grew our bank account to the point that we had plenty of savings in the bank and all of that. And I wired the money back and like, uh, Andrew is forever. One of those people where I'm like, thank you. Just cause he pulled me aside and was like, did you seem stressed? And he was like, Here, let me loan you a security blanket. That's one of the coolest uh, awesome. stories I've heard. That's frankly, that's amazing
2: shout out to Andrew. Yeah. we gotta have uh, and yeah. we gotta have andrew on now just for that story uh we've joked about it before <laughs> but we should have him on for sure because if,
1: if he's done it to you he's probably done like some weird stuff like that to a bunch of people so that's he's probably got some interesting stories yeah i mean he knows
0: everyone too so he's he's so i'm good. looking at your guys's know. revenue did, who,
2: chart there's a huge spike every november what did you do is it like a black friday deal or what what causes this
0: huge... Yeah, spike? we can talk about whether that's a good idea or not. <laughs> um, so early on, right, when you need cash, uh, the thing that you do in SAS is you push annual plans, right? Because you have this uh, cash flow problem. And so we started pushing annual plans as part of our Black Friday sale you know, to bring forward a bunch of that cash. Um, and so we kind of just kept doing that. And then it, what it did is it aligned a whole bunch of... Uh, um renewals you know annual payments right around that same time so it just keeps getting bigger and bigger right until it gets to the point that you're pulling in like four and a half million dollars in a single month um you're also getting all the churn at the same time so i don't know that like i like we're not going to keep doing by the way there's so many things Um, like that in business uh, that i'm
2: like we're doing this i can't really say if it's a good idea or a bad idea i wish i could but we're just (laughs) We're just going to keep like doing it for now and then like I just kind of feel like it's going to work out but I could totally see that like we didn't need to do any of this or that this like long term is hurting us more than the short term gain.
1: What's an example? Um
2: like in my D2C business as far as kind of thinking about this is uh we do this model that like drops new products all the time. Every single week we drop new products and it's great cuz cause it causes this sales spike but it also puts you on this treadmill of new products that you have to release every week and that means you got to do photo shoots of those products every week and then that means that you have to have inventory whether you sold your previous inventory or not you got to buy new inventory like most brands they they don't do that they only buy new inventory when they're out of the old stuff so even though inventory sucks out cash you know it's like well i'm buying it because i there's I'm, i'm sold out we're not even doing that but On the other hand, it's creating like when I look at his chart, it's creating this spike every single week, and I'm like, okay, so that's good. But these other three things are bad, and like I don't know how to weigh these against each other because they're like in different categories that speak different languages and on different timescales. So it's just hard to hard to know if this is like a dumb idea or or a bad idea or a good idea. Um,
0: I think the thing to look for in that is uh, something that served you before might not serve you now. So like that served us really well for a period of time because it brought in this cash, you know, and you could tell the team, like, hey, like, payroll is good. We're set for a long time. Uh, and it gives that level of comfort. And also, like, in the early days, churn is often high in a business just because you don't have very many mature accounts. And so locking that in is really good. But then if you get to this long, you know, much later in the business, you're like, look, we're on accrual accounting. it We yeah. don't really care. <laughs> we have plenty of cash in the bank. Like, the spike at this time doesn't make a difference. Right. And so just I'd watch for those things where it's like, this served the business well for a while and it doesn't anymore
1: who built the early version
0: um so I did all the design and front-end development um, and then I hired uh, freelancers to um, you know write the rails back end and then that went okay and then it, it went much better when I hired a longtime friend named David to come on and like full-time uh, build it but that was two years in and you and, and it
1: was making enough it was making enough money to pay him
0: no that was where i paid him out of the 50 grand that i put in which was like our our savings and everything
1: it seems like a pretty good return i mean 50k and, and you're able to get that built and turns into what it is now or at least it got you to uh enough revenue to pay people
0: yeah yeah and uh it, i mean it's wild what you can do when one you're doing a lot of the design and code yourself you know so you got to count that in, in the cost but um but, but yeah, and then you just fund it with, and that makes it sound easier than it is, but you know, you fund it with growth. Um, simple, and not easy. Yeah, simple, not easy. So,
1: That's right. so Sean, Nathan, he's got this blog post called like how to, how to build wealth. La- I think it's called ladders We have of another wealth. blog post ladders of wealth. He's got this, actually this other great blog post called um, the billion dollar creator. I think it's called or the yeah. billion dollar blog. Yep. Billion L-
2: let's dollar do creator. the billion dollar. Let's do the and, billion dollar one. Or right. I'm sorry to say, I didn't know where you're going with that.
1: Well well, I just want to say so this whole thing about transparency so Nathan, I don't think you publicize this, but I'm on this email list and yep. every month or week probably month I think he sends out dude I, it's the craziest shit I've seen he sends out his entire net worth and you could see like how much cash he has, how much uh like which stocks he owns of and of how much uh like his angel investments like you see his entire fi- all of his finances.
2: Oh, I got to get on this list. This sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it uh, might be
0: on that. List. It's all the content that I wanted to, that I wanted like other people to publish. Like Sam, you talk about fat fire and like, I, that's a fantastic subreddit. Um, and I just want like more of those conversations. Cause I've written a ton about people who have, or like how to get from say like zero to a hundred thousand uh, dollars on the internet. You know, that's, you mentioned my book authority. That's what that was. Um, but, like, once you kind of get to the point where you're making a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand or more online, like, people don't talk about what you do with their money. Cause, you know, if you do that, someone's like, oh, you know, like, there's Sam just bragging about how much money he has again or, you know, something like that. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to make a private newsletter. And I just charge people a hundred bucks, like, just to filter out the, the, uh, anyone who's going to complain about it, I guess, or say that I'm bragging. And then just say, I'm going to write about all the stuff that I wish I knew when I made like my first, 250 grand uh online and so
1: the way that i i described your blog or that email is it's kind of like face tattoos and cornrows i think it's super cool <laughs> when other people have them but i don't want it like yeah. you know not not for me but I, I i it's cool when others have them
0: there's only 200 that, people like, on that list so it's it's a small group right now dude i don't know man but
2: If you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives. I thought it's pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to DTC Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All
1: right, Sean, what was your question about? Well, uh, the I wanted to kind of creator? walk
2: through the, the, the framework here. So you have this blog post that's kind of like, I know you worked on that for a while, uh, kind of shaping your thinking here. and um, And then we also have Sam who's somewhat bearish on the idea of the creator economy he thinks it's kind of overhyped over over buzzword and you're mr creator economy in a way uh nathan so i think this will be this this might be good um but let's walk i
1: don't through. think our opinions are opposites by the way i would i would say probably our opinions are not opposite yeah but for the sake of okay.
2: an argument let's just uh yeah. let's just walk through so you basically have these four rules of building a billion dollar audience so um i guess like first why did you even want to do this
0: uh like kind of like what got you interested in this and then let's walk through the four yeah so the article asks a question like the whole premise of it and that is what is the most profitable uh place to direct attention right so everything we do right we're recording a podcast now whatever you're doing on on tiktok or if you're a movie star everything else right you have attention and brands want it they're willing to sponsor you know all of this stuff and so it's like okay you have the opportunity to point that attention somewhere. What's the most profitable way to do that long term? Because you look at people, um, you know, maybe who're taking sponsorships, right? Five grand to you know to sponsor the newsletter, or you know, five hundred bucks for a sponsored um, uh, Instagram post or anything like that, and that's actually not that profitable. And we, when, when you dive in, you learn that the most profitable thing to do. Is to create your own product, and to drive that attention to something where you actually build equity long term. So it's like a longer uh, article talking about that. But like the richest movie stars, you know, like take Jessica Alba for example, right? She has made a lot of money from movies, but the bulk of her wealth is from starting a company, using you know, being the spokesperson for her own company. Um, and then my other favorite example would be Ryan Reynolds, um, who, you know, right, he's doing ads for other people and probably getting paid a million bucks here, $10 million there, you know, that kind of thing. And at some point he goes like, forget that. I'm going to buy my own companies with Mint Mobile and Aviation Gin, and I'm going to be my own spokesperson. So I don't get cash, I get equity. And so, you know, you just watch this process of people doing it over and over again. And that's actually my hypothesis with ConvertKit, right? Of I have attention on the internet through running a blog um, and a newsletter and all of that how do I want to monetize it? Sponsorships, eBooks, membership, a bunch of things. And I'm like, nope, I want to monetize it through ConvertKit, building a SaaS company. Like that's my version of the billion dollar creator. So that's the whole premise of the article. And it's like, uh,
2: so you have, you have a couple of examples. Deals. So, okay. So rule number one is you have to build more than a personal brand. So what does that mean? You give the example of Jessica Alba, of Mark from Primal Kitchen. So, what what is the nuance here? It's like it's not just your face, your name. You need to actually create a brand around uh around your lifestyle or your interests, is that it?
1: By the, by the way, Sean Primal Kitchen is the sugar-free ketchup right. company that I like. So, this guy named Mark, he's like kind of looks like the 65-year-old version of <laughs> me, but like even more jacked. And he like has a health and health blog and he starts selling ketchup and he sells that for like $300 million.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, what Mark did uh, with, uh, I mean, his blog was called Mark's Daily Apple. And it was like the leading, you know, like paleo kind of health blog in that space. And a blog like that, you know, uh, when he was doing this 2006, 2010, that kind of thing, you can make a million bucks a year off of that blog. And he was, right. But you play that forward um, and that's, it's all about him, all about his name. um, All that, right. His name is in the name of the site but I mean, you can build substantial wealth that way what he did instead is he started primal kitchen you know kickstarted this whole brand by saying like i have the most popular site in the space let me you know make these uh paleo friendly uh ketchup mayonnaise that kind of thing and then he goes you know, do you know how big his later, audience
2: was do you know how big is, how much traffic he had at the time or?
0: It, it wasn't huge huge like it was no emails bigger was than like, ours <laughs>
2: Yeah, 100,000 subscribers on the email wow, list, maybe. So 100,000 um, was the kind of like trusted audience size to kick kick off this. Yeah, thing. you got
0: to remember audiences were a lot right. smaller, like even just 2015, 2012, like that kind of time frame. But yeah, then he sold, sells it to craft for $200 two million. Dollars. You can't sell a blog to like a blog doesn't sell for 200 million, you know, uh, like all of these things. And the crazy thing is he still right. owns the audience, right? The thing that, that kickstarted this whole product. He still owns. He can sell off the that whole brand. Talking to him at a at a conference, you know, he's just on to the next thing, figuring out what he wants to do next. He didn't have to sell his his name and whole identity with it. Uh, and Kraft is so, so is thrilled with their purchase. Kylie Cosmetics is probably the biggest one that people know about because you have
2: tons of attention through Instagram, TikTok, whatever, yep. the TV show, whatever. And uh, instead of just saying, "Hey, I'll," you can pay me. Because people will used to say, "Wow, you have to pay twenty five thousand dollars for a tweet from Kim Kardashian," or n- then it, that was twenty five thousand. Then it went up to like two hundred fifty thousand. Then two million dollars for an Instagram post from. Is it two million dollars? It, it got it got up to that range where it was like the hundreds of thousands or low millions to get like a, an actual like endorsement post from from one of them, and um, and so then you, you know, cool, you can make a lot of money doing that, right? You can you could stack up quarter million dollars at a time but Kylie Cosmetics was a billion dollar brand so it's was like well who wants to who wants to pay me to promote their products well it's mostly like skincare products makeup products or for Kim Kardashian it's her shapewear like you know like uh and Chloe Kardashian it was like you know fashion or whatever so Chloe launches True American Jeans uh Kim Kardashian launches I think it's called what was it shape Skims Skims is it like the shapewear brand
1: Dude Sean you're on top of it keep going Kylie Kylie I love Cosmetics
2: this. Kanye, Yeezy shoes, right? Larry's yep. like, uh, they all turned to say, "Who, whoever is the the most willing advertiser? Actually, you become my competitor, and I'm going to launch my own brand, my own equi- and have my own equity in this thing." And there's a guy in the NBA who gets made fun of for this, which is this guy, Levar Ball. I don't know if you guys know this guy, but basically, he has three sons. All three wanted to make it to the NBA, and this guy is this like loudmouth guy. They got like a reality show around them because they're sort of like the like. You know, basketball version of the Kardashians. There's three brothers and like a, a kind of an overbearing parent who is like ar- architecting their business strategy. And when they were gonna, the guy was gonna get picked second in the draft, and Nike offered him a contract and Adidas, and instead he created big baller brand, and, you know, Triple B. He created his own shoe line, and like the shoes kind of sucked, and like you know he didn't have the full business plan, and people were making fun of him for like, oh wow, you turned down a guaranteed ten million dollars from Nike to like launch this thing. 10 million dollars a year or whatever and it's like actually that was the right move now maybe his execution was slightly poor but that was actually the right move and and a lot of these NBA players would have been better served had they done that
1: themselves well how's it going now the shoe thing
2: so the shoe thing's not going good basically the guy they had running it like was like kind of stealing from them so they fired him that was like a a black mark on it the second brother never made it to the nba so that was like a little bit of an issue um the, the, the first brother kind of underperformed his potential at that time um and actually now that it would have worked because the, the youngest brother the one who was like the the, the one who's kind of like he was kind of like a, a fuck boy a little bit He you know was like had a goal you know like a diamond grill had like a lambo at 15 and was like you know he was kind of off the reservation he actually turned out to be the best one he's actually a star player And if they had kind of built it properly around him, it probably would have done a lot better. So
1: I, um, Nathan, you'll get a kick out of this. So like three or four weeks ago, we did this thing where we said we're going to give five G's to one or two, three people who take our clips, download it, post it on TikTok and get views. There's this kid who did it. And I don't remember how many views he got, but like our hashtag, I think, got 30 million views in like two weeks. And this guy accounted for a lot of them. And multiple of his videos got a thousand or sorry, a million views. One video got so big that we drove 35,000 new members to the subreddit Fatfire and they like com- <laughs> And they complained. And I was like, reached out to this kid. I'm like, who are you? And he replies back with like Michael at you, Michigan.org <laughs> or something like that or dot you or whatever it is. And I'm like, wait, dude, are you in college? And I, he calls me and I FaceTime with him and he's in his dorm room. And, <laughs> He's young. He's in, still in college. He's university thing. And and he's really cocky. Not in a bad way. But he's like, he's got chutzpah. And he goes, man, I knew I was going to do this. I wanted to prove to you guys that I could do it. I want you to pay me money to do this now. And I'm going to do this for other people. And we're going to change the media game. And I'm going to raise money. And I was like, okay, hold on, dude. Hear me out. And he goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go raise money for this thing. Um, do you want to invest? I go, bro, listen, you do not want to raise money for this. Here's what you should do. You are so talented at this that don't raise money for this, but get it big and start launching other stuff on top of it. And if you want to raise money, raise money for that stuff and own all. He owns this thing called like, um, I forget what it's called, Future, but he's got like eight handles now that have like a million something followers. I'm like, no, no, no. Don't raise money for this thing, man. Own that forever. And that's your piggy bank and your audience. Raise money for like this other thing that you want to do and funnel it through there, but don't sell that thing because I raised a little bit of money for my thing, which was like that. And I I don't regret it because I got the outcome that I wanted, but I do regret it because it definitely, you're massively handicapped because of it.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's, I, I think, such a good point because you can have that platform to launch whatever you want in the same way that you know Mark Sisson can use his platform to then go launch the next thing right he probably has contracts that say he can't compete in the exact same space but he could do a fitness thing or he could do something else right like you have the, conor the you... What's i was,
2: was going to give an example conor mcgregor is doing this pretty brilliantly in the ufc so like uh the ufc gets knocked a lot because of they have like low fighter pay right like the the percentage of revenue that they give to their fighters is way lower than other sports. NBA is 50%. NFL is like 50%. UFC is like, I don't know, 15 or 20%. So the fighters are, you know, they go out there, they get their, you know, face beaten in and they're they're, they'll make $20,000 off that fight or $40,000 or $80,000. And then they only get to do that two or three times a year. So it's like a pretty brutal sport for low pay. What Conor McGregor did was instead of selling the attention, trying to try to make money as his kind of like service fee, he created a brand around literally every part of his lifestyle. So he's like, all right, this thing's going to get me famous. But then, OK, what am I famous for? People like my suits at the press conferences. Cool. I'm launching a suit brand. OK, um, I'm Irish. I'm going to launch an Irish whiskey. Irish whiskey, I think, just sold for I don't know if you know, Sandler. He, he walked a million.
1: Away, yeah, like he walked away with a hundred. Exactly. Then
2: he's the like, um, cool. Uh, I'm super fit because I'm a UFC fighter. My body's amazing here's my P90X program. It's called McGregor fast. You can, uh, you can buy my program and subscribe to that and you can get fit with me. Oh, you're getting fit. And um, guess what else do I do? I recover. Okay. Here's a recovery spray that I spray on my leg. That's like, you know, like (laughs) makes my leg uh, recover faster after workouts. And the guy is literally just selling like every piece of his lifestyle as a independent brand. Like, uh, you know, I think at one point he was thinking about launching a sports betting exchange. It's like, what is the best business? Like, who wants to pay me? Oh, DraftKings wants to pay me? Hmm. Maybe instead of DraftKings, it's McGregor Kings now. And I'll I'll launch a competitor.
1: He just, he just opened up a bar called the Black Ford. Exactly.
2: Oh, you know, I had good, good success with whiskey. What else do we do? Irish Stouts. Okay, I'm going to... So he bought a bar. Not that the bar is that good. It's like a bar in his hometown. A bar's not going to make a ton of money. But then he used that bar as the, like, basically the backdrop to film him creating a stout and now he's going to sell a stout as a new like alcoholic beverage brand and uh I, it's kind of amazing the guy's going to become a billionaire and fighting is going to be the lowest part of his income stream is my guess <laughs> which is insane well, yeah, I, bet you,
1: gonna... I bet you i bet you connor uh, conor mcgregor i bet you he goes
2: <laughs> well he might make a billion he might lose a billion
1: <laughs> i think he could uh nathan uh, you're you're worth like uh did you reveal the valuation of your company
0: uh, we we raised it two hundred million.
1: Okay, so let's just I, let's just I don't know what the facts are, but let's just say you, you own ninety percent, so you're worth one hundred eighty million dollars. Do you think that you can ever spend through that?
0: Uh, I would have to radically <laughs> change my lifestyle. <laughs> I, but do you I think, don't think is that uh, enough? Yeah, oh, that's so much more than enough. I think I spend like two hundred grand a year, so if that gives you an idea. If you take like if you set aside the things like when I'm not buying assets, that's your burn. You know, that's your, your actual burn. It's, it's like 200 grand a year. So yeah, it, it would take a lot to yeah to spend through uh through that.
1: <laughs> so do we, we let's go let's go to this wealth ladder thing. Well, I I well, hold I saw on. That. There's a point. Uh, I'll
0: go. Th- so what what Sean was saying about um uh like uh, the trend between all of these people is that that's what's in the rule number two of selling products, not attention. And that's the flip, right? So Conor McGregor is a perfect example of this because everyone's expecting people to sell attention, right? That's the, the NASCAR logos plastered all over the car, equivalent of that. And you're like, great, Conor's doing that, every celebrity. And so, you know, you expect that uh, um, everyone, like every influencer is going to do that. And the wealthiest people are the ones who are like, great, w- I'm going to not do that. I'm going to promote my own product, um, Connor is the extreme example of like I'm going to do ten of these or something. Most people are like, let me do one or two. Uh, but Once that's enough. where you're going to build this real wealth.
2: And then let's just hit the other rules real quick. So rule number three: drive higher customer value through recurring or repeat purchases. So you'd rather have a a product that you can that has repeat purchase rate versus a one off. That's the big idea there. Yep.
0: Yeah, and that, that's the thing of if you just look at the most valuable brands, you see that uh, a lot of them are selling a product that someone buys m- many times.
2: Right. Yeah. So, you know, if my first million created a idea journal, it's probably not going to have super high repurchase rate because you're, you know, one journal will last you a long time versus if we made, uh, you know, the pure money deodorant and pure money deodorant is something that you would go through every two months. Then that consumable is going to be worth more than you know. So product selection is important here.
0: Yep. And so even just going back to the ketchup example, right? You know, you're going through ketchup every month, every couple months. You know, that's way better than something that uh, lasts forever.
2: Right. Billionaire's ketchup. Great. Okay. So then, last one: uh, choose a better business model. So, um, what do what you what do what are you pointing out here with choose a better business model?
0: Yeah. So there's a couple things in this. One is. Uh, well, I'm using the example of uh, uh, Vani Hari, who is the food babe. Um, so she had information products business, she's selling cookbooks, meal plans, all of that. And then she teamed up with uh, a friend of mine, Derek Halpern, um, who was also in kind of that online business space. And they went and made uh, like a health supplements company. And so it's completely different. They've made the switch from you know that business model into uh, selling this product that people are buying on a recurring basis. that. You know the brand can be acquired but then i think that the other example that's interesting um i love listening to andrew wilkinson on the show and you know he did his whole thing his whole thing is using uh, a very cash flow positive business right in meta lab of they're doing agency work honestly it's a very profitable business but it's not valued that high in the market and so he's like okay i'm gonna take low to medium quality revenue and use it to go buy really high quality revenue You know, because agencies, they're not as recurring. They're not um, a high multiple if you want to sell the business. So it's like, great, I'm going to go buy software companies or start software companies, you know, and so I'm going to trade in, you know, one set of revenue for another. Um, And then uh, you see this a lot in software where someone will launch two, like, you'll have two versions of the same tool. One's like the WordPress plugin version where it gets it done and all of that. But none of those really turn into like substantial companies. And so the ones that made it are like OptinMonster, where they built a WordPress plugin, it was okay, made millions of dollars, but like, it's not valued like a software company. Whereas when they go and rebuild, uh, like Syed Bulky rebuilt OptinMonster as a SaaS platform, added more features, you know, they can charge a different pricing model, um, all of that. And and then it's really valuable, right? You get to raise money at Silicon Valley valuations. You get to sell the company at those multiples. Um, even though it's like fundamentally accomplishing the same. Uh, Let's the talk same about goal three people user.
2: who I think left money on the table. You named two of them. I have a third. Actually, you, you might have named all three. Um, okay. So you talk about Ramit Sethi, who you think you know maybe he's making ten million a year in revenue, selling kind of high end courses. His audience is all around personal finance, and you pointed out like at the time where he had a bunch of audience and trust in personal finance and was advocating for a philosophy of like, Hey, you know, low fee index fund style investing, set it and forget it. Um, you know, saving a certain portion of your revenue, he could have built Wealthfront, which just got acquired for 1.4 billion, you know, yesterday or something like that, uh, which was like a robo advisor doing just that. So instead of selling courses could have built a software product. So left, left some value potentially on the table. Um, another one is Tim Ferriss, right? Tim Ferriss has makes a ton of money on sponsorships and ended up making a ton of money through investing in the right startups because of his brand name. But you know, could he have done what Joe Rogan did uh, with like on it supplements, right? Like, I think Tim Ferriss has a huge trusted audience. If yep. he said, "Look, I tried every supplement and here's my issues with them," so I'm launching the paleo ketchup, I'm launching the nootropic supplement, I'm launching the the protein powder, whatever whatever he could have picked you know, I think is, is a $500 million business given the size and trust of his audience. Uh, but it seems like he didn't go that path. So what do you think of, th- of that? Oh, the third was Marie
1: was well, the third.
2: Uh, I think you had her in here. Uh, and she, I think you pointed out and
0: yeah, you pointed out two things. Simulized One is she
2: builds everything in her name instead of uh, building like brands that can be dissociated from like her person. The product is, her telling you content, her selling you time and consulting or whatever else, her selling you a course versus her creating a product based on her belief system, and you trust her, so you think this product is going to work for you. So,
1: but listen to this, Sean. You're well, you're not exactly, but you're criticizing these people. You're doing the exact same thing. So you've got this big audience of people who like and trust you, <laughs> that shockingly trust you and do what you say. <laughs> But you're building this other thing that people are begging to know what it is. Like, do you think that like uh, you're you should follow your own advice here?
2: Oh, totally. Um, you know that's why I like this article. I think it's a it's an eye opener for. It pieces together a bunch of like anecdotes and philosophies, and by the time you read it all the way through, you're like, yeah, of course, of, of course, I agree with this. So, I did it in a way with the fund. So, for example, podcast, uh, podcast ad revenue. I think our first year I made like 70,000 or something like that in podcast ads. It wasn't much. It was like a very, the, the value of the audience I felt was bigger than the, the value of the trust in the audience was bigger than the, the ad revenue. And so I bet on that. I was like, okay, well, what if I raised a fund from these people who have been listening and I'm not going to take any, I'm not going to do any pitch meetings. I'm not going to make a presentation. I'm just going to say, hey, if you trust me from this podcast and you want to invest alongside me in startups, you can. And so now that fund is like an $8 million a year investment vehicle. So if you just take the math on that, right, you get 2% of that in management fee. Okay, that's not that much, but then you get 20% of carry. So 20% carry means you're basically getting 1.6 million of startup equity that you're investing per year for free. So 70,000 in ads versus 1.6 million in startup equity of, of which I get to pick the startups. And I think those startups can, you know, what if that's five X in the next, uh, you know, seven to 10 years. So that means each year I'm getting something like $5 million a year of value out of a product created from the podcast. So that's an example yes. of doing it. Example of not doing it is I do a course. Uh, and the reality is I do the course just cause I, a, I like teaching and B I like the instant cash flow from that. Cause I can go buy stupid shit with it. So for example, I, I, like I, was, I stopped teaching my course because I just got busy doing other shit. And then I really wanted to go like do some random NFT speculation. And I was like, eh, I feel stupid doing this with my money. What if I just like did a course for you know two weeks and then that let me go buy a Bored Ape and a Crypto Punk and whatever else? Okay, yeah, that sounds more fun. Um, and so I'm like, yeah, I'm down to you know, teach six sessions to do that. That, that. that seems like a good trade in my head mentally. But I would say that's not actually a good use of time. And then the new thing we're building, the new product, is kind of in that boat, right? The Milk Road isn't called Sean's Crypto Newsletter. It specifically has a new brand name and it has like staff around it. And it's a product that if it works, can be big and it'll be supercharged or kind of initially initially uh, distributed by people who already follow me and like my content.
1: And then the second criticism, which Nathan can address, which is like, and maybe Ramit would say this. He's like, well, but I like blogging. And I don't know anything about starting like a, 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 a fintech company. And what's, the, what's your reply to that, Nathan?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great answer. And like all these people who I like lightly pick on in my article, they're all friends. And, and so that's one where like you got to choose the business model that's right for you, but answer the question of like, okay, can this audience that I have make me a billionaire? I'm trying to have as many examples of like, if that's the outcome that you want. You know, or maybe it's not a billionaire, right? Because you raise money or something else, but getting on that hundreds of millions of dollars um, type scale, then it's like, okay, well, here's the framework that it has to happen. And if you're saying, like, look, you know, these <laughs> we list the people who have amazing businesses, right? They're can complete control of their time, making millions of dollars a year, you know, like absolutely no complaints there. So this is all on the case study of like, how would you do it? Actually, one of my favorite examples uh, I used, um, Michael Hyatt, as an example, in this article. And he replied like he sent me an email right after it and said, like, hey, we actually discovered the exact same thing. Personal brand entirely. We're selling digital products. We're very tied to our email list. We're doing like sponsors and stuff like that. And we realized like, oh, this business is going to you know reach some limits. And so he then built out all these sub-businesses. They built out a journal product, you know, other physical products. Um, and realize, okay, how can we build what take what we have now and use it to leverage um, you know, other independent brands and like kickstart and launch them. And so it's fascinating to like use someone as an example and have them come back and be like, you're spot on in describing our business, but you're actually two years, like you were spot on two years ago. We realized the same thing, we're fixing it. And now like everyone will see the result a little while from now. And so, uh yeah, if if people want this path, you know, that's that's the way to go about it.
1: How big is this? How many notebooks does this guy sell?
0: Uh, I don't know that I have the numbers. I'm trying to think what he what he put in the article. But it's uh, his other products are now bigger than all the things that we know him for. So in the tens wow. of millions of dollars.
1: That's crazy. Um, all right, what were we saying, Sean?
2: I was going to jump to the ladders of wealth because I think this is the other kind of nice framework that you have. So um, and this is kind of like. I think some people have heard of kind of stuff like this, but I just want to like lay out the fast version, and then we can go into whatever's whatever's interesting from this. So, you have this image of uh, of a series of ladders, and it's not like one ladder that you just go up, up, and up. It's basically like if you use if you choose this method of wealth creation, your ladder can be this high. But if you choose this method of wealth creation, it can go one rung higher, or it can go th- two rungs higher, or four rungs higher, depending on which one you choose. So here's here's how it works. So it's basically. The lowest ladder, the smallest ladder is you're selling time for money. So that's having a job or being, a, uh, yeah, having a job basically. Then there's your own service business. So this might be like an agency, you're charging by the project, you have some clients, you charge some hourly rate, whether you're, you know, it doesn't matter if you're like making logos for some company or you're a lawyer, you're actually in the same boat. You have a service business with clients and you charge an hourly rate. Then there's productized services, which is, um, it's giving a given example of a product
0: uh, of product. Yeah. Series. So the example would be, let's say I charge a hundred dollars an hour to redo the copywriting on your website, you know? And so I'm, I'm doing that. Or I say for a thousand dollars, one time you can buy it with a credit card. You know, I will go and rewrite your site, you know, or, or write you one whole landing page. Um, and so there's a couple really important things there. Uh, one, the purchase is being made without me talking to you. Like if I'm charging a hundred bucks an hour, we'll probably have a conversation. You're like, we're planning that. Um, second thing is it's pre-packaged. Uh, so you know exactly what you're buying. Um, and then the, the third thing is that the time and money are totally disconnected. So if I get better and better, uh, if I hire people, any of that, right? Like I'm not having to sit there for 10 hours and do it. Um, and so there's a bunch of these skills that they have to learn, uh, to do the product service.
2: An example, a simple example. We, I think, uh, Ryan Beagleman came on the pod a long time ago and he talked about drop servicing, which was a a version of this. So, like, uh, the the example he was given is like, there's these products that are like, um, you pay $30 and I'll draw a picture of you, uh, you and you give me a picture of you and I'll draw you as a Simpsons character, or like you can send this as a gift. So, somebody loves the Simpsons, you can give me a photo of them, I'll draw it as a Simpsons character, you get it. So, it has all the elements you talked about. It's self-serve, you come in, it has a predefined price. You just click a button and you pay. Um, you get a defined product, end product out of it. So we're kind of both clear on the bargain. And then third, you don't know how long it takes me. You don't know how much it costs me. I don't have to do the work myself. So with a lot of these character services, it's like it just gets piped to a, you know, person in the Philippines who's an artist. They take the gig, they submit it, they get $7. The, the service keeps, you know, whatever, $23 and, uh, and it's all done. So that's like an example of a productized yeah. service. And uh, by the way, isn't there like a Facebook group called Productized oh, Services? Who yes. runs that? There's a guy running um, that's pretty
1: interesting. Yeah, we talked about him. Uh, yeah, uh, I Green, the guy's name. Green. Do you know the guy's name? Uh, Greenfelt, maybe, or something like that.
2: So, so what he does is he's got this Facebook group, and uh, the reason, I like, it's so niche, but it's actually pretty valuable for if you're in that niche. So he has this Facebook group called Productized uh, Services or something like that. Productized businesses, and um, and what he was doing was he would just show an example. So he'd say, "Oh, look, this is a real estate agent, and before here's how it used to work. You know, here's their page, here's their face. You call them up, become a client, blah blah blah." And he's like, "Or, or sorry, that's not a good example. It's I make we- I design websites. I can code anything. You can hire me as a freelancer." And then he changed it to a productized service, which is you're a real estate agent, you need a website for your company, I make real estate agent websites. Come here, pick one of the the six templates, push go, I'll give you a website, um, and I'll charge you a fixed fee of $250 or $500 to give you that website. And so it's basically a way of productizing a, a service.
1: You know what the best name that I've ever heard for that is Jack Butcher, who's our friend, and he has this course it's got it's a beautiful it's called build once sell twice it's so good it's such a good name I, I took the course yeah what well, did you love it
2: uh, yeah i loved it just because everything jack does is done so well so you know uh he could you know write me a birthday card and i would be like wow i love
0: birthday cards now it's like
2: do i really love birthday
0: cards or do i just love jack
2: butcher <laughs> i think i just love jack butcher actually
0: Yeah, his ability to take something and like distill it down to the absolute essence uh, and like build one, sell twice is that like it's selling products, you know, where you're saying, okay, I can make this thing a single time and and then sell it as many times as I want, which everyone talks about the upside of that, of like, oh, this is going to be amazing, right? I can build this and sell it a whole bunch of times. No one talks about the downside that like it's so (laughs) freaking hard to do the first, like to make the first one, you know, whereas if I'm building a one-off thing like using websites, for example. Like, okay, I'm supposed to build a website for Sam. He's paying me 2000 bucks. Like, I build this out. It's not that hard. I can use my skills to do it. The product version is like building a website builder. You know, that's incredibly hard. And so you have this like trough for a long time where you're, you're not going to make money in the short term. But the how, the like leverage is incredible. How old are you now? 31.
1: So you're 31. As long as I've known you, we've known each other since we were both like 23, 24 You've yep. always pretty much been the same where you were pretty calm, very patient. I would say patient would probably be the best word to describe you. And there's been a lot of times... I remember in 2014 or something like that, I didn't have much money. But I hollered at my really rich friend. And I was like, man, Nathan is doing like 100 grand a month like in revenue. This thing's going to be big. You should try to invest. And maybe I could broker a deal. And he would and uh, if I did that, then I met, you, you probably had a ton. You've also probably had a ton of people who were trying to buy the company for a life-changing mm-hmm. amount of money. And you've probably had loads of other um, opportunities. So my question is, how have you stayed pretty calm and also incredibly patient throughout all this? I, patience is something I struggle with. Your, Sean was telling you about... Uh, how he launches like a new does a new drop every week and like and i i think that that's rooted in like uh oh but we need the numbers to go up this week and like you got caught and i've done this i do the same thing where i'm like but it's not growing now and i and i need to so how have you done so patient and long-term focused
0: well i think part of his personality and you're right that like uh patient and relentless are probably two things you can use to describe me back then uh and now but i think a lot of the ideas that are in some of these articles or that I, that I try to write about is really in building this one thing. So I think about uh, what an analogy that I like is strip malls versus skyscrapers. Let's say we're getting into real estate development and we've got a piece of land and you're trying to decide, okay, what what should we build on it? And so you want to make money quickly, and so you build like uh, you know first a little office building or something. You got like a Radio Shack there. Now you're make you got a little bit of cash flow coming in. You know, you want to expand, so you build another, you know, add on to that. Now we've got a subway and we're, we've built it out and we've got a little strip mall or a shopping center. And that's like, we're going to use up our land uh, each time we're expanding horizontally. And so we're, you know, launching a new product. The the version of this is the, like the blogger or podcaster or someone who's like, I've got my ebook, my membership site, my whatever other thing that I'm doing. You know, I keep adding and each one makes a little bit of money my approach on everything is the skyscraper model of like, I'm going to do one thing and I'm going to keep pouring everything into that and just keep going taller and taller and taller and makes it And so like ConvertKit is my attempt at a skyscraper. And like in the billion dollar creator article, it's all about people I think who are building those but, but skyscrapers. But you've not,
1: you've not always done that actually. I think, and I think that, that's a good strategy, but I would, I would actually say it's pretty cool that you've not always done that, and I'll give you an example. But the reason why it's cool is because like you're flawed, and you do you you definitely have you're, you're even though you're incredibly patient and long-term thinking, like maybe it's not rooted in this probably, but like there are some examples. For example, like you've done a bunch of book launches. You've launched like eight or nine things that's that have sucked. Uh, you did this great Twitter thread where you. Well, no, he did this Twitter thread. I, he I goes, said Here. he sucked it. <laughs> yeah, he goes, here's the nine things that I've created that were horrible.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> no, he, like, he had a
1: thread. I, I don't know if he used the word sucked. Maybe
0: he said "fail," yeah. yeah, flopped or something like that. So in yeah. that, uh, this is something else, right? Like, we all want to jump in and build the most perfect product. Uh, and you can't do that because there's all of these skills that you have to learn. Like, that's the point of this Ladders of Wealth Creation article is that like business and building wealth is the combination of like a thousand little skills. And if you try to do it all at once, you know, like you're going to fail. And so that's like in these ladders, the one point that I'm trying to make is that the, like, you know, I put marketplaces and social networks, you know, at the top of the hardest ladder. And then just below that is SaaS, Cause if you think about the number of skills that you have to know in order to do that, Like Sam, what was, uh, the first product you sold online?
1: Um, I, uh, well, there was two, it was liquor. So I sold alcohol on the internet and then I also created a guide on how to, how to find a roommate in San
0: Francisco. Okay. So that guide, like, do you remember as you were trying to figure out how to collect payments for that or like how to put together a page that would sell it? That's why he was at the Gumroad meetup.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I ended up using Gumroad because it was so stressful. I couldn't figure it out. I was yeah. like, well, I was like, I remember going to Shopify. I'm like, well, does Shopify let you sell PDFs? How does that work? So yeah, all of those that. things,
0: right? You're trying to figure out how to do like okay, how to collect money on the internet is something that you have to learn. And now we're just like, we could we could rattle off a whole bunch of ways. Right. But someone starting out saying, hey, I want to get into this, they don't know how to collect money on the internet. They don't know how to write headlines. They don't know how to collect email subscribers, why that even matters, right? All of these things. And so I think the best way to do it is to learn through a bunch of these other little products, right? And so that was like basically what you're seeing all the way along with the eBooks and everything else is me learning all of the skills that ended up culminating in being able to build ConvertKit.
1: Yeah,
0: that's fair. And, And then the other thing is, like if I say I only focus on ConvertKit, like that's not fully true because... I like to have contrast in my life. I think that's something that helps. And so, like we we started off, you know, riffing on some real estate stuff. And the reason that I like it is because you, know, you spend all your time sitting in front of a computer, and so doing something tangible like Airbnb or something in the real world, it, like to me is the opposite because I get to actually go see a real property. I get to, uh, you know, um, vi- visit it in, in person. It's a totally different experience. Uh, my friend, um, Sean Blanc says, uh, if you work with your mind, you should rest with your hands. And that's, I like that idea of like just doing something that's the opposite. And so I think if you give yourself these little indulgences of like, uh, buying a house and airbnb it or starting like a one-off paid newsletter that you run on autopilot or Sean, what you're doing where you're like run out and make a course and then you're like, okay, that was fun. I think that can be a creative outlet that then helps you focus on the main thing rather than saying like, oh, I'm going to go create 10 main things.
1: When you've been creating convert um, let's say that either you've sold the company and you still want to like do interesting things or you're 21 or 25 years old and you want to start something. What interesting opportunities or problems that need to be solved have you discovered where you're like, I can't do that now, but it'd be pretty cool if someone like someone could totally get into the blank and do blank.
0: Yeah. Okay. This is uh, honest, but a terrible answer to your question because then because I also did it right Um, is as we were doing email marketing, you know, and running the newsletters for like James Clear and Tim Ferriss and everyone else. um, The thing that I wanted to do was then get into commerce of like, okay, we have this whole side of it, right, where uh, we're sending all the emails, have the connection to the fans now I want to build um, the like the credit card processing and and I want to get a cut of everything that they sell. Um, and so then I realized like, oh, and that was always the answer. Uh, actually, if, if someone was like, if you weren't doing ConvertKit, what would you do? And I always said, I'd go start a Gumroad competitor. And then the nice thing is there's that synergy there. So it's like, okay, I went and started a Gumroad competitor called ConvertKit Commerce. It's in the same product. So it's like... Uh, both a realistic answer and probably not very satisfying for you because it's Man, not Gumroad, like totally different.
1: Gumroad has been around for a long time now. Yeah. Up until recently, they pretty much had never done anything to change it. Um, and no one is competing with them. But there's a downside. It doesn't make that much money. Like I actually don't know what it makes anymore. But as of a couple or a few years past, like he would tweet out his revenue. And like it was really hard to build a business where he was making like 4% of someone's like, $10 PDF. You know what I mean? It was, it was well, and so that's why you business. have to build
0: a build a better business model, right? And so if you look at something and say, how could we improve that business model? The thing that I saw in that is like, okay, uh, what if we had another product alongside it that we sold? And right, so for ConvertKit, we make money off of uh, your email subscription. And so I now have these two things that go hand in hand. And so... Uh, the commerce side is really good because now, like, we're able to, for every one of our customers, right, who's selling products, we're able to make a little cut of that. And they don't feel like they're paying us anything extra because it's just a bit of the credit card processing fee. Um, and then it also reduces our churn because anyone who's selling through ConvertKit commerce, um, right, they're now like ConvertKit is paying them r- rather than uh, the other way around. And so we saw a radically lower churn. So I'd argue that, like, Gumroad by itself or you know the gumroad competitor that i wanted to start by itself you're right it's not that good of a business model but when you pair it with convertkit and make the creator marketing platform <laughs> this is turning into a sales pitch but you get the idea that i'm trying to make of it's the like the the combination of those two things that then makes it a fantastic business model and so you have to look at okay this is working i want to go after this in whatever space it is and then take a step back and say okay what are the flaws in the business model what other products do I pair it with? What other audience do I target it against? You know, any of those things that actually makes it a compelling business instead of like a, an average business.
1: And do do you, uh, actually, are you still hands-on with ConvertKit or are you, I know you're the CEO, but do you have someone helping you run it or are you still the guy in charge?
0: No, I'm uh, way too hands-on. Uh, The thing that people don't tell you in startups is that like the growth that you see is a whole bunch of stacked S curves, you know, of like you figure out things that work and it takes off and then it levels out and you got to figure out the next, uh, or like the next, uh, stage of growth. And so I'm, uh, very hands-on, like we've had a few executives leave over the last year, uh, just a lot of change. And so I'm like completely in it, recruiting new executives, uh, working with the team to design the next version of the product and so yeah i'm not the the like uh case study of what you should do for the perfect execution on you're not the four-hour uh, like, work week <laughs> i am not the four-hour work week <laughs> do
1: you grind i mean i know you got like 18 kids uh no <laughs> three <laughs> three kids. i know i I just because as long as I as long as I remember you, I think your oldest are like you had your oldest when you were young. And so I always yeah. would tease. i like, what do you have, like 40 kids now? Um, yeah, so always, you always a had a couple. So. <laughs> and uh, but you you are you grinding right now or do you have is it a 40 hour work week?
0: Uh, it's, a, it's right now it's a lot more than a 40 hour work week. But it's interesting of trying to structure that around like kids, you know, of it, it's a lot of like waking up early, you know, or like this weekend, uh, we're headed out for our team retreat, like meeting everyone up, up in person. So I'm leaving Saturday morning. So like this morning when my kids woke up early, I like, we went out of the house and like spent two or three hours together, you know, before, cause I know I'm going to work all day and, and then be gone all next week. So, uh, yeah, I don't work a crazy amount, but at least like 50 to 55 hours a week is probably what I aim for. So I don't know if that counts as grinding, but it's definitely not not relaxing.
1: It's in the middle. Yeah, it's in the middle. I think of grinding and not grinding. Um. What do you think sean
2: uh i think it's great I, you know i think convert i'm a user so i uh and I, I complain to nathan all the time i'm like ah, i'm paying too much for convert kits uh, and he's like and,
0: and, <laughs> you do complain about that and he was good but, and i just point out how much money you make yeah he was
2: like um but you know emails like making you all this money and i'm like yeah but i just feel like emails free and like this should be free and i was like uh, yeah. i was like can i just get this for free and he's like well you know like let me know what you think is you know he's very very patient with me and it was sort of like, you know, because I was like, I was like, I don't know. I told Ben, I was like, Ben, go find like what we should use instead of ConvertKit. And Ben kind of like searched for a couple products. And then he was like, well, you know, like they're all kind of worse, but there are some cheaper options. You want worse, but cheaper. And I was like, oh, fuck, I got to choose worse, but cheaper. (laughs) Wait,
1: what's your what's your what's your bill every month? I think
2: I pay like four hundred dollars a month, maybe more. I don't even know. Uh
1: that's what you're – and how much money do you make a month
0: Well, from see,
2: it? it's not about that, right? Like it's more – I those are two <laughs> separate things I feel like because because the email what, directly what, what do doesn't do? make me that much money. Uh, it's like got it. through the email, I build the audience, and then through the audience, if I launch a product or a course or whatever, yeah, that makes a bunch of money. But that's separate work I got to go do. It's a separate set of costs that go into that. And so uh, we actually did. We were like, oh, should we switch? And then I kind of respected that Nathan wasn't just like – Oh, whatever it takes to stay you know here you go free right. i was like i was like uh okay the fact that he didn't do that tells me like he knows the value of his thing and um as much as i hate that i'm you know not getting this like free discount or whatever i respect that and so i stuck with it
1: nathan you know, are you fun. mormon
0: no i'm not dude you got <laughs> that, that big mormon energy i mostly just hear it from you sam <laughs> You've never
1: heard that from anyone else. I mean, you live in Idaho. You, you, you had yeah. kids at 21. Like, you're, you work hard. You're honest. It seems like you don't party. You got hardcore Mormon energy. Mormon what do you drink Mountain Dew all the time? <laughs> yeah. No. You got hardcore you gotta, gotta Mormon You got to avoid the energy. caffeine.
0: Uh, <laughs> no, Sean, what I was going to say is uh, that what, what's funny is, so like Tim McGraw and Arnold Schwarzenegger both have ConvertKit newsletters, and they pay full price. And they don't ever give me shit about it. Yeah, but then it's the it's like the internet influencers are, where they're like, I should get this for free. you know. And I'm like, no. So it's a fascinating because we've had that a lot over the years right? of people saying like, hey, what discount can you give me? Do you know how famous I am? And kind of what's fun is getting into... Uh, I separate them from internet famous and actual famous. And the more we've gotten into the actual famous space, the more it's been here's easy to price. say like, yeah. no, man, here's the value that we provide. And and I think I was giving you a hard time because you had just done a thread like two weeks earlier about your <laughs> paid newsletter that was making like fifty or a hundred grand a month. I can't remember if I like linked you to the same thread, but that's what I wanted yeah. to do in the Twitter DMs. So how, how big but is I, how how big is Arnold's list? Oh, We can't say those numbers, but he's re- uh, still relatively. Small. Who's
2: whose list is bigger? His his list or my list? My list is not very big, but uh, his is uh, big. I, I think it could what? be the his same thing as
0: Arnold.
1: No way. <laughs> that so, bitch. No I'm <laughs> sure. You don't know, have a favorite <laughs> little
0: uh like business model synergy. <laughs> that weekly <weakling? laughs> uh, <laughs> So he was on like it's fun like as he goes around and promotes his newsletter, right? Because he goes on like Jimmy Kimmel and is talking about his email newsletter, which is is always fun. Um, yeah, I go on indie hackers, um, dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you <and me> both. <laughs> but uh, when, like, a business model thing that's funny is when one convert a customer links to another to grow their list. So, like, when Tim Ferris linked to uh, Arnold's list and said, "Like, hey, you know, go sign up for Arnold's list," it added you like 40, 40, right. subscribers, <laughs> and and it's just like our cut just goes up. You know, it's just one customer just referred to the other, but now. I, anyway, it's a fun Dude, you got to write
1: a blog post like <laughs> the best way to grow your list, partnerships. Yeah. Here's like a <laughs> list of like interesting people to
0: partner with. <laughs> Sam, uh, I have a VP of growth opening. Uh, do you want to come join <laughs> come no, me? works, job, works right? for Morning Brew, actually, as we discussed last
1: episode. <laughs> yeah, last episode. Morning Brew offered me a job, too. <laughs> there you um, go. It's actually like a, a great
2: power move is to just offer – uh, staff writer jobs or staff jobs to CEOs of other companies just to like flex <laughs> on them. Uh, to Dude. Like, hey, you know, I heard things are tough. Um, just so you know, we're we're always, there's always a home for you here. <laughs> <right>. So listen, <laughs> listen, just listen to, to talk this. To CEO well, of MailChimp.
1: Like the, like a month into starting the hustle, um, I, like we had written blog posts, whatever, and we were, I was trying to hire writers and I saw this awesome article and I, and I don't remember where it was, But the author was Nellie Bowles. I think her name is B O W L B O W L E S, And now she's like a really famous New York Times person. And I think like even when I found her, she was actually at the New York Times, but like had just done a one-off piece for this small magazine. And I emailed her. I'm like, you are so good. Would you love to interview for a position at my company? Like we're looking for bloggers. And she was like, that's cute but no thanks (laughs) and uh i will never forget that she told me that's cute i have got i've i have held this grudge against her for years because she said it's cute
0: for years you can just imagine like the little pat on the head and the hair tassel that went with like that's cute you know like it's kept me up at night like
1: (laughs) so many i was like i'm gonna how am i gonna get revenge and I don't have a good way, but that was like eight years Sam's ago. Sam's like Arya
2: Stark before bed every night. He says a list of the names of the people he needs to like get revenge on. It's like Nelly Bowles.
1: I, I, I definitely have. i you know like what they say. Like I got like a bunch of champagne bottles with people's names on it. And whenever I get back at them, I crack that champagne bottle open and drink it. Like, yeah, I want some people's heads on my desk. That's for sure.
2: We have wow, a buddy. Have you get on that list. Uh, not much, turns hmm. out. Not much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just don't call me cute. <laughs> um, just be like, you know, comment on one of his Instagram uh, you know videos and just be like um, this aw- awesome for a beginner. <laughs> just yeah. like
1: move on. Yeah. <laughs> You've cre- or like uh, You're still at it. Awesome. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: we uh we have a buddy who is like the nicest guy in the world like uh you know we'll give you the shirt off his back and uh nice to everybody kind of strangers kind of animals kind to everybody and you go into his house and on his fridge he's got this like clip art picture of a of a brand name of a, another company's logo with a target and like kind of like a red target like a sniper um and he's got three of them on his fridge and i remember going over and like what's this about and he's like oh yeah he's kind of like you know those are my those are my competitors i just every day when i come to the kitchen i just want to think about you know just sort of like killing them basically and i was like whoa there's a, a dark side to the uh to mr nice guy here <laughs>
1: Do you have one of those nathan i I would bet uh, anything
2: nathan does not have anything like what we're talking about
1: he's got you are so wrong i bet you that he he will i don't know if he'll admit it i bet you he hates mailchimp
0: oh see i have weird feelings about mailchimp because i have so much respect for them
1: and like Dude, you have respect to them like the guy who killed John Lennon has respect for him. It's called a love knife. You love him so much you want to kill him. That's like what it is. <laughs> it's like oh, the guy who like killed the Pope. That's what you're going to do.
0: <laughs> so you have to separate the businesses, like the business from the people. So I think that's true. Like one time uh, I was at a conference and Ben Chestnut was speaking. And so I emailed him and was like, hey, man, will you? I don't know even know why he said yes. But it's just like, like, big fan of what you've done, like, all, in all fairness, we're a competitor trying to take as much business from you as you can. But would you be up for sitting down and talking? And he said, like, yeah, I have a flight at this time. So I'm checking out the hotel. So, like, meet me in the hotel lobby, you know, and we'll chat for 30 minutes. Gave me so. the wrong hotel. Love it. Great yeah, exactly. power move, Ben Chestnut. Set S- 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 <laughs> me on this wild goose chase. Yeah, he's
1: like, that's You missed cute. your flight. <laughs> he never had a flight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: But, no, he, like, he sat down with me and told me all about how they launched their free plan and all this stuff. And then the they were uh, ink magazine's uh, company of the year this is the ink magazine like ink 5000 event and so the editor-in-chief from ink magazine comes up while we're talking and he's like hey Ben great talk all of that and uh, um, he Ben goes hey do you know Nathan he's trying to kill my company <laughs> and like as he introduces me to the editor-in-chief of ink magazine and anyway so I have times what would it look them.
1: like if you just like Assaulted him right there. <laughs> like, Sam's caught up with the reservation time. now. He's still thinking <laughs> <you're> like,
2: of, <laughs> like, like killing Nellie Bowles with a love knife or whatever.
1: <laughs> For the record, Nellie, I'm not gonna, uh, I'm not gonna do anything. Is this the sa-
2: Sam? Is this the same person that you had the interview, the famous interview with at the New York Times or the New Yorker or whatever it was? And like, the interview did not go well.
1: It did not go was well. this With her was, or was somebody else? The, no, that was uh, Aaron Griffin <laughs> and. She like came to interview me, and I don't even know why, but she was fishing for stuff. And she's like, "So, like, what do you do in the weekends? Like, listen to Joe Rogan?" That's what she said to me. I'm like, "What?" <laughs> I'm like, "No, like, he doesn't even like. That's Monday to Friday. He doesn't even have a <laughs> yeah, podcast. On Saturday. What are you talking about?" Yeah, and, and she was like, "Well, like, because you're like a tech bro," and I'm like, first of all, most of New York Times revenue is digital. You're a tech company, so you tell me what do your tech friends right. do." and uh so anyway yeah that thing didn't did well. you
2: storm out or or how did that end something, something yeah like
1: that. i was just like i don't know what to say i'm out of here yeah i i it, it didn't it didn't end well that's
0: so good uh those interviews i've only ever had one of those um i don't remember who it was with but where you're like okay I, I i think we're done where you can just tell that they're like looking for some angle and all the questions are weird And you're just but like, why right. would anyone hate you because you're kind of perfect good that you bring that up so like, right. but, no, I'm just like it, it, it's like well it's got time, i got a lot of flaws it's this... true so i'm not <laughs> yeah, sure <laughs> what the problem is
1: yeah it's like i like this i've got there's a lot of Dude, bad things like, i like this it's thing like in the shower you see this clip of biden
2: uh, the other day when he called the, the journalist was like on the way out did you see this clip a stupid son, yeah, son yeah. of a bitch guys yeah. like you know what, <laughs> what do you think about inflation and biden just like in that moment was just like lost it he was just like yeah great stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's how I imagine Nathan, like breaking character in like one of these interviews.
0: <laughs> so, okay, Sam, I have a question on this then. Like, do you think that being so nice in all of this and, and like everyone likes me, it holds back my, uh, growth as an entrepreneur and, you know, uh, internet, so I celeb- want to be internet celebrity
1: no because um a like you're happy and it's working so i think that's like the goal and b you actually have dropped it a couple times so uh, you don't have to talk about this if you don't want to but basically you didn't like what sahil at gumroad yeah. did and you called them out and it I was did. pretty uh it was pretty vicious and i knew that do you know this sean no what did he call him out for dude he just like publicly kind of
0: bitch slapped sahil and <laughs> <laughs> like for what it was crazy well, what was the point. So uh, so I was around, as Sam was talking about, I was around Gumroad from the very beginning. Uh, I think I was the first independent, or well, at one point they told me I was the first independent seller to cross $10,000 in sales on Gumroad. So like from the very, very beginning. Um, and uh, anyway, so friends with tons of people there and like spent a lot of time at their office and all of that. And a huge friend of Sawhills. But at one point he like got burnt out on the company. They had an offer to, to buy the company. He didn't take it. he laid everyone off instead like it it wound down and and like ultimately failed. but the thing is with a platform like that, they don't like fail and disappear. they just like fail and coast and still like the software still works and all that and then he came back and told this totally different story of like uh here's how i you know like v c is evil and I'm running the company like in this totally new way um here's how I run it in five hours a week with like two contractors and that was frustrating, but I didn't say anything. But then when they went and raised new money and didn't give any, they, they got all the VCs to write off their equity. They got all of the team members to be like, Hey, it's a failed company. Like give up your equity and all that as part of it. And they went and raised a bunch of new money and didn't uh, go back and give the original team members. Like that pissed me off because it was like, I know exactly who built the software You know, like, because I sat next to them as we were talking about it, you know, at their office in San Francisco. And like, I know they don't have any equity and I know that you didn't take care of them. And now you're like telling this new story and everything. So, uh, yeah, I guess, Sam, I do make some enemies on the Internet. You do. And and
1: when you said that, I was like, well, I I don't know Sahil. Uh, he seems like a nice up guy from my limited interactions with him, but I was like, well, if Nathan's saying that, it's probably true.
2: Yeah, you know, you could separate, the, you could separate the person from like the decision. I've made a bunch of bad decisions, uh, but I don't right. think I'm a bad guy. And oh, um, me too. I've made a lot. And Yeah, and, and so you know, I, I would separate the two, like because he, you know, probably a nice guy. I I don't know him super well either, but um, but you're right. Like you know the the way he kind of got. Twitter famous in a way was to come out and tell this story of like the kind of like it was like a fail story that worked it was like we were the hot thing we raised money we had all these expectations people bet on us it didn't work um and so now we're in this new mode and I've seen the light it was sort of like you know I got baptized and now I believe um that this business should be done this other way okay fair enough um and some people really liked that they thought it was very transparent and all that good stuff but it was weird that like, you know, a year or two later, it's like oh, I'm raising new money at a hundred million dollar valuation. It's like, wait, you're back on the that train. Like, weren't you kind of saying like, you know, all the things that were wrong yeah. with that model and
1: like freedom. Championing, yeah. Championing the,
2: the the freedom that you were getting and the, the choose your own destiny and getting off the rat race. Like maybe I read it wrong. Maybe I was just skimming and I missed the point. But like that did seem strange to me. And then like you're saying, Nathan, like it's kind of weird to kind of post pu- to do that whole thing in public when a whole bunch of people bet on you lost money on you and, um, and are not participating in the like, you know, future. And so uh, that would leave a bad taste in people's mouth, I think. So, you know, I think it's fair points. Um, you know, and I'm sure, I'm sure he's got his side of the story about why it's not bad and why it's not that and all yep. those things. So, you know, fair enough, but he's not here. So I'm just going to say my side and
0: <laughs> seems like that'll be the <laughs> final word. <laughs> uh i mean tons of credit to to, <laughs> to sahil afterwards because he like he owned up to parts of it and, and we had a good conversation about it and he actually then when he launched his book um he actually included convert and in the story in it which i was really surprised so uh, as far as people who don't hold a grudge i think uh sahil's one and of them not and, sam he's not so, sam
2: i think he's not i, sam. I hold, I hold <laughs> yeah, grudges too, sure. and
0: in fact i actually manufacture
2: grudges so like there's just one guy I always <laughs> call my rival. And uh I'm sure from his perspective, he's either like, Who is this? Or he's like, Wait, why are we rivals? We, we got a lot we got I along just fine. Is. And in my head, this is like somebody I met in uh when I was in college, and um the guy has got like a super ultra rich dad, like billionaire dad. And uh I always used to joke, like if I ever played basketball. Uh, there usually wasn't, like, another Indian guy, like, playing basketball. So if there ever was, like, the running joke in my group of friends in college was, well, Sean, we know who you're guarding. Like, you have to guard him, and you need to win your matchup here. Like, your honor is on the line, basically. Like, we need to know who's the better Indian basketball player on the court right now. It was just, like, this running joke. And so that got extended once we – I started a business with my college friends. They were like, well, seems like this guy is, like, you know, your rival. And I I played into it, and we kind of made it a thing where the guy would be like, you know – hanging out with Richard Branson on his island. And we were like, just trying to create a chip on our shoulder. Underdog story it was like, you know, I'd be sleeping on my air mattress that I was planning to return to target to like save money. Cause our business wasn't doing any good. And if you saw this other guy, like, you know, sipping pina coladas with Richard Branson, it just felt like, Oh, those are the haves and we're the have nots And so I was like manufacturing these little feuds or like, um, I remember we did a, a we, when we bought Bebo back, we were gonna relaunch it. And I gave the scoop to this girl who was like really nice journalist to me. Um, She was somebody I'd met, she seemed really nice. And I was like, hey, do you want the the story? Like, I'll give you the story about like what we're gonna do and how it all played out. She's like, yeah, great. So we, she comes over, I do the interview. It's like, literally, you know, we're playing patty cake. It's all good. Article comes out the next day and the headline is like, just some vicious, it's like, remember Bebo, ha. Yeah, that, you know, that flop is back again. I mean, it was just like, it was like, oh my God. it was like, <laughs> just, it was like, like
1: disgusting. Yeah, Sean exactly. like, launches this. As he told me
2: the, <laughs> he told filthy, me the plan with his bad thing. breath. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, like yeah. in my head, that's what it said. Like, it was yeah. like, as.
1: Yeah, if you like spinach, go eat some of the stuff that came out of <laughs> yeah, Sean's teeth. It's exactly. still probably there. So I so felt
2: like- so <laughs> backstabbed, you know, not no love knife, just straight knife. And I remember just being like, so I never had the interview where I walked away. I had the opposite where I felt completely, betr- and I texted her. I was like, yo, what the fuck? Because actually the article was fine. Just the headline was completely brutal. It was just making fun of us and saying like, get a load of this fucking schmuck. And um, and she's like, sorry, like the editor writes the headlines and he just thought that that's what would get more clicks. Like, I don't have any say in that. And I was like, oh, so fuck you and your profession. It uh, was like, you know, where I landed on that. Um, that. I think that was my only feud. Actually, my other one where I called, uh, what's her name? Uh, the Jake Paul of journalism was probably the other one. <laughs> Taylor, Taylor Lorenz.
1: Yeah, like I think that, I actually think, it's great fuel. I mean, like, I joke to my wife. I'm like, I'm fueled on like carbonated water and like grudges. <laughs> like, I think uh, gr- grudges, I think, are like the greatest fuel ever. Like, isn't right. that like the whole thing about being like a chip on your shoulder? Right. Like, protein, like, just call it what healthy it is, fats. And, like, you want to like
2: grudges is like my macro, my macro diet. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, yeah, like I gotta make sure I get my rage in that day. Otherwise, I just don't feel like myself. It's like Ari Gold. I just love firing people. Um. So anyway, I think it's good. I think rage is great
0: that's the key takeaway from this episode people listen Sam, to me you it do like, need okay, like a lloyd let me go manufacture you, some you grudges somebody yells some them every day
1: <laughs> i do like it uh, well and sean when when we first met ben levy or i met him the first time you were like well you know sam's a little challenging to i just had around, to give him the heads so just, like, up i'm like don't take, take a personal
2: it personal if he kind of fires off uh, yeah our gold is actually a great great analogy because there's no there's no um uh what's it called? Like there's no hate behind the words, right? Like I'm, I'm yelling, but I love you. Like it has nothing to do with how I, how much I like you or how good I think you are. I'm just yelling. Cause I'm yelling. <laughs> and, uh, so I tried to give him the heads up, but you were so Zen. Uh, this was post post exit. Sam is a completely different guy. He's uh you know, you're not already gold true.
1: anymore. he <laughs> will come back in due time. Um, dude, Nathan, thanks for coming on. Happy, uh, happy you're, you're able to make it. I, uh, I bailed on you last week sorry and i'm happy that we made it work this time yeah thanks for having me it's always fun what yeah, you want to where people promote your you. like what yeah
0: yeah uh, okay so if people want to follow me online uh I'm, I'm currently trying to grow my twitter audience so you should go follow me there uh i'm trying to see if i can go from i'm at 50,000 so what is it 100,000 so at nathan barry uh and barry's Usually. Usually uh, when you try to grow your audience,
2: you should uh, uh, tell them the name of the, of the thing.
0: <laughs> you know, I only want the most <laughs> dedicated fans who like really, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thanks for the advice, uh, Sean. Add, add that uh, to your ladder. Try to learn Shove to that, that in your ladder.
1: <laughs> you know what we didn't discuss? And I don't, we don't have time now. But one time, Sean, Nathan renamed the company ConvertKit to something yeah. else. And he didn't realize it. But it meant like something like it was disrespectful to Hindus, <laughs> Hindi's hindi what's c. the plural <laughs> yeah you uh, right the first time <laughs> and it was disrespectful to them and he made this huge name change and they changed the company back to convert kit after like 24 hours wait what
2: was it what was what was Iseva? the name okay what i
0: i, I speak hindi what does uh, that it mean means service but in c culture it means oh, like, like selfless service and like the highest form of worship Yeah, it, it, so it, it's a whole thing yeah, it's the, like i'm doing a I'm doing a service for you. I don't, I don't find that offensive. That's not offensive. Yeah. There were uh, a lot of people who did find it offensive. And so, yeah, if we're talking,
2: <laughs> if we're talking about mistakes, Tur- turns out I'm not as easily. Offended and as uh, as owning up. I got mistakes. in trouble.
0: So, uh, Hindus didn't find it offensive. And I actually had a lot of people who were like, uh, that's like thought that it was awesome or something like that. Um, but, uh, everyone who is from the Sikh culture, they were like, sorry. It, yeah. It had a, uh, much different meaning uh there. So, anyway, that was a $500,000 mistake, but uh, uh I owned <laughs> up to it. So <laughs> That's I a think, whole thing for another by the way?
1: That the, the the convert kit, good name. The other thing like seven or whatever you said, not seven. a good name. <laughs> like <so> I think <laughs> Hindu a maybe Hindu
0: worship? Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, like
2: that doesn't seem like the right name for an email. Yeah, email convert kit's a great
0: name. That's such a good name. Well, so maybe it was a five hundred thousand um, dollar mistake that will turn out to be a multi million dollar win.
2: Do you still do you still have the domain? Because we should just launch like a um, prayer uh, service or like you know like a, a philanthropy uh, thing for India under that name. Uh, I, I have some Indian startups that might want that name.
0: I do have the domain. There's actually two startups: one that went through Y Combinator and one other uh, that uh, have asked for it at one point. But I paid three hundred and forty thousand dollars for the domain, so. I'm, I'm kind of right. hanging on to it. this is a four letter yeah, domain? Yeah, four letters. I don't even know how to spell that S-E-V-A. word. How do you spell that word?
2: S-E-V-A. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, um... I mean, it
1: sounds like a bottled water d- dude. Company, I got, not I like got, a, something that you're going to, like, send emails from. So I think it's a smart move.
2: My, uh... I got in trouble this morning because I wrote... Uh, sorry, in, in the Milk Road uh, edition that went out this morning, uh, one of the things we covered was, like, oh, the Fed, the Fed had this meeting about interest rates and how that's affecting, like, the markets. And, uh... And I was like, (laughs) basically, I put a picture up of the committee that meets the Fed Open Market Committee. And it's basically like (laughs) a bunch of old white people. And I was like, you know, today, you know, (laughs) I I had a bunch of different openers that I scrapped. One was like, here's a picture from a nursing home I visited recently. Oh, wait, no, that's not right. That's the Fed Open Market Committee. And I scrapped that and I said something else. And then I was like, you know, at today's elderly white people committee, and I like I had a strike through, and then I was like, no, at the Fed Open it's Market like a, it's Committee. It's like a rural
1: McDonald's at like seven a.m. Uh, and pe- <laughs> people got mad at you for It's
2: that? like a seized candy, and, and um, yeah, people were like, you know, the skin color has nothing to do with it. And I was like, yeah, of course, it's a joke, and it has everything to do with my joke, and like just the picture's funny. And like, wait, I thought we could make fun of the Fed with no repercussions, like that. Like the, there's like certain things that are really safe to punch at, and. Uh, the Fed seems like one of the safest. You know, the Fed, the, you know, the, the the Senate. Like, who's who's defending yeah. their honor? I, I don't understand. Who are you? Is your mom <laughs> on this? Is your grandma on this panel? Too uh, soon. Yeah, some people got mad at me. Um, I was like, y- you should go ahead and unsubscribe because uh, my filter is a lot looser than that.
0: Yeah.
1: So <laughs> um, dude, Nathan, thank you. This is awesome.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. We'll have to do it again sometime. And we'll have to hang out in uh, Austin sure. when you get this new property. We'll come and, and do a workout on the... You know, on the ranch.
1: Come on, let's go. (laughs) Sounds good. Challenge accepted, grudge (laughs) initiated. All right, right, see you guys. (laughs)